welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And, and I'm going to Disney. <laughs> yeah, today, um, in honor of the Super Bowl, and congratulations to, insert team here, whoever <laughs> won, for winning, um, we're going to talk about the history of the famous tagline, I'm going to Disney World. I, I really want us to get like a really bad robotic voice and then say... I don't even know the name of the teams that are in there. I was going to say the it's, Patriots. It's Tampa Patriots. Bay. It's Tampa yeah. Bay and Kansas City. So exactly, go footballs. Yes. Yeah, so whenever you're listening to this, one of those teams won. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that because it does have an interesting history. And Disney announced this year, while they'll still be running the promotion, they won't be having the parade. So typically, whoever says I'm going to Disney World then shows up at Disney World the next day to kind of keep the magic real you know so people kind of believe that it's real but with the pandemic there's no parades they're not gonna be doing any parade this I year i think i think they should join the princess floats one of, one of the, the cavalcades kids. yeah the cavalcades that would be pretty funny yeah and it's interesting because the super bowl is in tampa so they don't even have to go that far to get to yeah, disney this true. year and so it's kind of a, a missed opportunity but but they won't be doing the parade. I mean, it makes sense of this year, yeah. So, but yeah, we're, we're going to get into the history. Um, before we do that, we're going to touch on some Disney news. But before we do that, so Whoa. before before, I just want to remind everybody again that we are running a giveaway right now. This is the last week to enter. All you need to do is leave a review on our podcast, and then take a screenshot of that review and post it over on our Facebook page. You have a chance to win a free pack of Expedition Roasters coffee and a Disney Tumblr. I want to thank everybody that's left a review so far, like FriendsFan05, who said, absolutely love this podcast. Very interesting topics, and I enjoy that we seem to have the same opinions about movies and rides. Oh, yeah. You, well, apparently you have excellent opinions. Yes, great taste. <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks everybody that, that's left a review so far. And again, if you want to enter, uh, this is your last week. The, the giveaway ends at midnight on the 13th. All right, so jumping into Disney news this week, Blog Mickey announced that a few restaurants in the Magic Kingdom, so Tomorrowland Terrace, Launching Pad, and Westward Ho, are actually going to be closed Monday through Thursdays now through March 8th. So I'm not sure if Disney does this every year, but I think it just kind of goes to show crowds are a little bit lighter this time of year. They don't need to have as many restaurants open. It's a way to cut costs. Um, so they'll just be open on the weekends when there's more crowds. That makes sense. Also, Disney announced that they have reached in a, a five-year deal with Ryan Coogler, who was the director of Black Panther uh, and his media company, Proximity Media. So they have a five-year deal with his company to develop uh, TV shows across all the Disney networks. But the big news with this is that he's going to be developing a Wakanda series for Disney+. Plus. Oh, nice. So they're going to be exploring kind of more into the detail of the life of Wakanda. So I don't think this is necessarily a Black Panther show. I think this is more about what it's like living in Wakanda. So there's not a ton of details, but it, it was specifically mentioned as a Wakanda series and not necessarily a Black Panther uh, TV show. So this is coming to Disney Plus at some time. Very excited about this. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. And I think they should consult MatPat on, uh, you know, the how the, what is it, the, the economics. yeah the economics of Wakanda need to function. Yes, if you're not familiar with film theory on YouTube. Uh, they, <laughs> First he, of all, where are you? Yeah, he, he, Go watch his stuff. He did a video on that Wakanda is on the verge of an economic collapse. It was, it was really interesting. So yeah, maybe this will dive into 
the economics of Wakanda. I will say I, I do want to touch on a little bit and and not really getting into spoilers here, but we may get into some some minor spoilers. So if you've not uh, up to date on WandaVision, um, you may want to skip ahead a few minutes. But WandaVision is the first Marvel TV show that's come out on Disney Plus. And I got to say, they're hitting it out of the park. I personally, I said this after the first couple episodes, would watch a five-season series of just Wanda and Vision in a sitcom. Like, they don't even have to do anything superhero-related. <laughs> they could just be in a sitcom world. I, I think I think that part has been great. I think the series has been great overall. The thing I am mad about is that they will not allow me to binge this, and I have to wait uh, week after week. So Kevin Feige, if you're listening, I know he's an avid listener, just like The Rock. They listen. <laughs> Give us more WandaVision. I will pay money to let me see it. I won't even tell anybody I saw it. I promise. I just <laughs> need to see all of these episodes. And and when he says this, he's not exaggerating. He literally yells at the TV on the weekly basis when the episode is over because he wants there to be more. I think the biggest problem is they're so short. They're a half an hour in air quotes because there's like six minutes of credits at the end. That mean absolutely nothing. And so they're they're just so I mean, short. They mean that those people all worked on the show. No, but I mean, but like, you know, typically in the runtime, like they like don't they, count. Like that. they try to do this. No, they, they count it in there and they go, Oh, this is a half an hour episode. But it's really not. It's like twenty two, twenty three minutes. Like the Mandalorian only maybe had like two or three minutes of credits, so that it was closer to it. But it's not like that there's any after credits thing or anything for you to like stick around and watch. I do think like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier maybe a little bit better because those are going to be like 45 minutes to an hour. So maybe it'll be a little bit more satisfying each week. But there's just there's cliffhanger after cliffhanger. And they do such a great job of leading you into the next show. It works because then all we do is talk about it. I mean, if you just look at the internet each week of the breakdown of the show and the Easter eggs and the theories of what's going to happen next, I mean, it is keeping an insane buzz around this show. And if this is any indication of where Marvel's going on Disney Plus, I almost think they do these better than the movies. Yeah. You know, this weekly episodic thing is almost better than just a two-hour movie. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you and I have had a little bit of different opinion about this because I know some of the shows that they were kind of spoofing, but I'm not that familiar with them. I mean, I used to watch like Bewitched when I was a kid, but like the memory of that isn't that clear for me. So although I appreciated what they were doing, I think a lot of that was lost on me. There were some little moments of intrigue in there that kept me in. And I definitely think it's a unique thing that they're doing, but I'm not as, as hardcore of a fan of the show as you, but I will say, I think this past week was the first week that when it ended, I was on the edge of my seat and I wanted to see what happens next. So I was almost, you know, I wasn't in the, on the point of yelling at the TV, but maybe I was whispering at the TV that I would like for them to keep going. And I also liked the, uh, there's like kind of a false cred uh, credit roll on this, this week's episode. And I thought that was an interesting take because I felt like it was short and then they kind of rolled it back and, kind of kept going so i thought that was an interesting thing they've, they've been trying a lot of new innovative things in it, and I, I appreciate what they're doing that's what i was just gonna say is that it's built you know like they're in a sitcom world and they're really playing with those tropes of rolling the credits rewinding a video and replaying things and and 
you have to watch because sometimes it's like, wait, did they just repeat that? Did I miss something? Did something, you know, was there a glitch in it or whatever? But I, I do think that, you know, Marvel has built up so much goodwill and they've done so much and we know these characters that this type of longer form content is going to be really good for them because you're going to be able to put these characters in different situations that we're not used to. And I think that's one of the reasons why WandaVision works so well. Now, I think to your point, yeah, we don't know all this, all the sitcoms that it's based off of in the 50s and 60s, but part of the appeal of it is just the fact that they are in this different world that they're not used to. And it's a different interaction with these characters. You know, they're in different situations. It's not just fight the bad guy, use my powers, fight the bad guy, use my powers where it is like in the movies because you have to get through stuff so quick. And I think, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be kind of a slower burn thriller like this too. I think the Loki series, again, it's going to be putting him in these unique points throughout history. And it's going to be awesome just to see how does Loki interact with all of this stuff. I, and I, he's not even fighting somebody. And I think that's where it's going to be I, not so great. I think Loki is going to do some really interesting things. And I think that Loki has the potential to almost have like a Castiel from Supernatural where he's fascinated, but like in a, it, by humans and not quite understanding although he never really had that take in the in the thor films but I, I can almost see them going that route with him except for maybe he's a little disgusted by humans that one's gonna be interesting i am i'm a little concerned about falcon and the winter soldier just because i don't particularly i don't think you'll like that one i i don't think you'll get as into that i don't think you've ever really been into the captain america movies as much no. so cap wasn't interesting to me until endgame that was when he became interesting to me and then they got rid of his character so i think that yeah i think you're right i think that that one's not going to be my deal i'll sit and watch it with you and, and i think with loki i think they're going to almost make that like like the procedurals like csis or like weekly almost something's happening because there's already been talk that that one's kind of built for multiple seasons. So I could see him kind of going through and, and he's going through time, solving is, cases, yeah, solving is, crimes. Is he, is he helping solve cases? That's what they're saying he's doing? Kind of. That, so is this like a Lucifer? <laughs> is this like Disney's Lucifer? Yeah, I, I think the, the basic, um, from what I understand of it is, is that he kind of gets in trouble with the time police for uh, you know, stealing the Tesseract and going through time and kind of messing with events. And, and then I think maybe he starts working with them, you know, maybe to kind of reduce his sentence. So, 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 so I do think it is something, you know, about Loki kind of meddling with history. So I, I do think it has that ability to so this go is, multiple seasons. So he is like a Neil Caffrey and white collar kind of feel. Exactly. You can really tell that we have a wide breadth of TV watching from the beginning of this show. We do. And, and just to wrap this up, really quick and this is i think we'll, we'll talk slightly spoilers here on wandavision to jump ahead but just our thoughts on i think where do we think this is going so i think at the end of the last episode uh, again don't want to necessarily talk specifics but this really opens things up and they've already talked about how this is going to lead into doctor strange and the multiverse of madness so just based on that title i really think you can see that this is how the multiverse is going to come into play and i also think this is the perfect way that Wanda will create mutants in this universe potentially or pull them in from another universe. So I think this is going to be the launching point that Marvel's going to use on how they explain 
now you know Wolverine exists and the Fantastic Four exists, and and it will answer the question of, well, how come none of these people were here to help out in Endgame? And that's because they are on, they're from a different Earth, they're from a different universe. But now they can cross universes, we can cross into their universes, and I think it 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 allows for. Chris Evans to come back as Captain America, a slightly different version, or Robert Downey Jr. to be a slightly different version of Iron Man from these different universes. Like Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is this is what they do in the comics. I mean, they've yeah. they've had these universes and crossovers. There are you know, there's already talk that Spider Man Three is essentially going to be the Spider Verse. So, I I really think again, Marvel, it's just opening it up to so much storytelling, and it is fascinating to see taking that comic book playbook and putting it on screen and how well it works so I'm, I'm really excited for the future yeah absolutely all right so now let's get into our main topic as we mentioned at the top of the show talking about the history of i'm going to disney world after the super bowl mm-hmm. so in honor of super bowl sunday that happened and again super bowl super bowl sunday yeah i don't know can we say super bowl we said it i I hope the NFL comes after us because that means they're listening. (laughs) I think we're big time if the NFL comes after us for this. But I thought this would be interesting to talk about because, you know, it wasn't some sort of spontaneous event. I mean, it definitely was a staged thing that Disney did in the 80s. But it has an interesting history and kind of the people involved and the origins of it are very interesting. And a lot of it, I think, leads back to Michael Eisner and just kind of the circle he ran in. Yeah. Everything kind of goes back to who Eisner knew. Um, and he could get people, you know, it's been a theme. I think that we've found out from a lot of our interviews that we've had with like the Bancroft brothers and things like that. So yeah, this one definitely, the idea was birthed in during that. And I think that's why he ultimately became the CEO of Disney. I mean, he was a Hollywood power player. Yeah. He was well connected. I think at Paramount before Disney, um, or universe. I'm not, not sure which one it was. Yeah, it was Paramount. And, and so I, I think that kind of led into it. And I think, you know, when you think of Hollywood types, you always think of these like well-connected people. But basically how the story goes is Disney started this for Super Bowl twenty-one in 1987. But the origins of it were uh, Michael and his wife, Jane, were having dinner with George Lucas. And I just want to stop there for a second because George Lucas <laughs> I feel like is involved in everything. I I've heard like he's always seems to be at like these dinners with people or we're going to be talking yeah, about Alien Encounter. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Alien in Encounter that too. Yeah, in a couple of weeks and he was involved in that. And it's crazy how many run-ins he's had with Disney before they finally eventually bought up, bought him out. Yeah, and and when I think of George Lucas, I mean I always just thought of like Star Wars and he did Indiana Jones as well. That was under Lucasfilm. But you really think of him for Star Wars. And I don't think I ever really fully understood until recently why people loved him so much. I, I didn't think I, not necessarily that, but under his cultural impact. And yeah. so, because I was like, oh, he did Star Wars. Okay, but like, what else has he done? But the more you learn about him, I mean, he's just this guy that's just involved in everything. Like, it's almost like he is some sort of time traveler. And at important points in history, he shows up at because he was at this dinner. So I just a fascinating fact that George Lucas was there. But 
he really didn't play a, a huge part in this. So he just happened to be at the dinner. Uh, so, so he was there. But then also pilots Dick Ruton and Gina Yeager were there. And they had just completed their f- nonstop flight around the world. And this is why I think it's interesting. <laughs> and they didn't refuel either. Yeah, I want to talk about this. So, so in 1986, they did this. And it was the first nonstop, non-refueled flight around the world. And this is just mind-blowing to me because, I mean, planes can't travel that far. I mean, you know, giant commercial planes. The plane they built is the Voyager, and it is a very interesting-looking aircraft. I I definitely would look up a picture uh, if you can. It kind of looks looks like like ductwork, like the way that it's kind of long and... It looks like something you'd hang in your ceiling to carry the airflow or something. I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's like a double plane, has two two back fins. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Looking. Yeah, it's very streamlined. It does not look like any type of plane you would think of today. It's very aerodynamical because obviously it has to be able to fly without refueling. But this flight took nine days, three minutes and 44 seconds. So it's over 216 hours. And they didn't go the short way around the world. They went over the equator. So it's 26,366 miles. That's wow. absolutely insane. Imagine just sitting in a plane, two people, for nine days. Yeah, we thought we had it rough when we, we flew to Australia. This was... <laughs> this is- that's what i'm saying i mean i mean planes you know 17 18 hours is a really long flight for a plane but the fact that travel and i think i i read somewhere they were only like an average height of like eleven thousand feet because again this this thing is not built for you know high altitudes i mean this is built for streamlined very fuel efficient it kind of reminds me of like how hawks glide on the wind i think that i'm i'm sure that that's how they managed to do it is they probably found jet streams and just did a lot of gliding just to be fuel efficient right yeah i read i think the plane itself only weighs like two thousand pounds but then with all the fuel it was like nine thousand pounds um, to get it, but yeah, so so it's impressive. So they they set a lot of records. They set the absolute distance record, the longest flight ever recorded. I think that still stands. And Gina is was actually um, the first woman to make a the list for an absolute distance record. So they're, they're kind of trailblazers uh, in the terms of like long flight aviation. I think before this, they practiced with like an like a hundred hour flight. <laughs> to make sure they could do it so i mean just long haul flying it's just it's absolutely incredible to me that humans could create a plane that could do this and that they would do it and that they safely did it i mean it's just so many things could have gone wrong when you're in the air for that long yes um but they succeed and that it's absolutely amazing and a footnote to this too is i think it's almost easy to write off i don't want to say write off gina yeager's um accomplishments because you think oh well she was totally related to chuck yeager so it was just a family thing i looked it up she had no relationship to him so she was just a baller um in during her time making i mean she she set records uh other records too so oh yeah they both have like a ton of records right right so but again to be a female in aviation at her time it it is you know she's a trailblazer yeah she's a trailblazer so Respect. <laughs> Respect. Right, right. So they are all at this great dinner. I can like only imagine 
Like, I wish I was like one of these people. Like, who are these people that just get to have dinner with George Lucas and two of the most famous pilots eating. at the time? And what they're eating. I have no idea. I was I don't know what they <laughs> eat. I know like Warren Buffett eats he he'll tell you he eats like an eight year old. He actually didn't go to dinner parties. We're getting sidetracked here for a minute, but he didn't we're like way off the topic of Disney right now. He it's didn't okay. go he didn't go to dinner parties because he would not eat like the fancy food. He dislikes like hamburgers and French. Like he eats like Wendy's, not Wendy's, but like Dairy Queen because he owns Dairy Queen. He eats like a frosty every day. Oh my gosh. But now now he's so rich he can do whatever he wants. So but yeah, so they're at this dinner party and Michael Eisner asks uh he asks Dick and Gina you know, you flew around the world. Like what else is there to do? And Dick joke said, I'm going to Disneyland <laughs> and Jane Eisner. So Michael's wife said, Hey, that actually would be a great marketing idea. Mm-hmm. So she's the one that actually kind of came up with the idea of using that for a marketing idea. So they sprung into action because it is a great marketing idea as we all know. <laughs> so they sprung into action and they wanted to get this in place for the 1987 Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 21. And what I found interesting was, is they actually pay these athletes. So, you know, it's not just like, hey, they, they happen to pop up in the camera and somebody just said it for free. So they actually paid both quarterbacks. They paid Phil Sims and John Elway. They paid them both $75,000 before the game. So whoever won had to say, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Disney World. And actually, Phil Sims was reluctant to do it. But then John Elway signed on. So he agreed to it. Now, 75K is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely if Disney paid me 75K. I'd say I'm going to Disney World too. I think it'd be not money well spent, but sure. <laughs> but I, I look back because, you know, athletes now make tens of millions of dollars, but I, I knew like in the 80s they didn't. So I look back, Phil Sims was actually only making about $760,000 oh, a year. Poor man. So that's no, barely enough to feed his family. But so 75K was like 10% of what he made. Yeah, that is You know, he, he actually signed a five-year deal. I think it was like 84, 85 for $3.8 million. So like athletes today make like $3 million a year easy. And that's like if you're bad at football. But but I mean, how much is $3.8 million in today's money? Like that's a lot. I mean, it's more. True. Significantly more. It helps. But yeah, but it's still, it's they, they weren't making the you know, like $20 million they're making now or whatever. So 75 K was, was a decent amount of money. So I think my point is I'm kind of surprised he was like reluctant to do it at first. Cause it's easy money. Like you say, you say one line and you're done. I'm wondering, I mean, back then they probably didn't have as extensive deals as a lot of athletes have today. So maybe he felt like he was putting his own integrity on the line a little bit. Maybe I mean, it says a lot about his character that he would hesitate. Even though Disney's not a you know a bad company right. by any means, but but if he would have said no, I think this ad campaign would have died because ultimately he won the Super Bowl and was the first Snap. one to say I'm going to Disney World. So if he wouldn't have done it, I don't think it would have ever kind of gotten off the ground. So it's like all stage. So they actually record one that says I'm going to Disney World. They also record one that says I'm going to Disneyland. So Disney can play a commercial in either half of the country. Huh. So again, kind of behind the curtain, it's uh, it's kind of staged. And now I read they only pay people about thirty thousand oh, dollars. So all? the price the price has dropped, and oh, they've man. expanded it. You know, it's most known for the Super Bowl, but what what I didn't realize is they've expanded it basically like any sport for like any accomplishment. 
Disney has done this. So they've done it for NBA Finals. So Magic Johnson has said it. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think Dwayne Wade said it when the Heat won. Uh, Jeff Gordon, when he won a uh, NASCAR race in 1994, uh, said it. Mark McGuire, when he set the home run record. So he didn't even like, win a World Series. He just set the home run record in 98. He did it. <laughs> the last one's hilarious. Yeah, David Cook, because he won American <laughs> Idol in 2008, got to say, I'm going to Disney World. So, I don't remember that he won. I thought he was a runner-up. Maybe he didn't win, but he, he definitely said it. Uh, he, no, he was from American Idol fame. I think I might be getting confused with with Daughtry, because they, I think they had a okay. sim- they have a, like, a similar kind of thing, but... Yeah, they do. Well, but according to Wikipedia, he said it in 2008. So that's great. So basically, a ton of people have said this. But again, so I was so I was surprised to kind of hear that because it's most notable for the Super Bowl. But it has been used in every Super Bowl since 1987, except for 2005 um, was was the one year they did not do it. But but every other Super Bowl has done it. Some other interesting reason why they didn't do it in 2005 or just didn't didn't happen. Yeah. So there's not like an official reason, but a lot of people think it was because that year was very weak for advertiser sales because in 2004 that was the Justin Timberlake Janet Jackson halftime show okay and so people were kind of reluctant to advertise for the Super Bowl the following year yeah and so they think that's why Disney didn't do it even though they kind of claim that wasn't it their kind of response was we've been doing it for 20 years it's kind of lost its luster we think but then they brought it back the following year but some other interesting things um, about it. So like Tom Brady, he's probably said it like so many times. Um, <laughs> after they won Super Bowl 51, he actually gave the trip to his teammate, James White. So he didn't go to Disney, but I think he still said it. For Super Bowl Lee. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. I read it, I was like, Lee? Who's Fif- Lee? 51. Ray Lewis was Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 35. A lot of people may not remember this. He was actually on trial for murder <laughs> at the time. And so Disney didn't necessarily <laughs> want him. fans know that, but yeah. Disney didn't necessarily want him promoting Disney World, I guess, for that reason. And so Trent Dilfer, the quarterback, is the one that actually said it. And then last year, Disney has kind of gone like full integration with the NFL. And they were actually the official sponsor. So Disney Parks and Experiences was the official sponsor of the MVP ceremony last year. So Patrick Mahomes actually said it as part of the broadcast. So that was the first time it was actually said like integrated with the broadcast and Mickey and Minnie came out. I think Bob Chapek was there and they announced like a million dollar donation to make a wish and things. So it was like very integrated. And I believe I want to say it was like 10 or 15 um, make a wish. Children actually went to the parade with Mahomes uh, at Disney world the next day. So, so yeah, so they're kind of like full corporate sponsorship. So I'm curious to see what they do this year because they're so close. (laughs) Yeah, it, it's really interesting. And and again, it sounds like they will still have the commercials and still have people say, hey, I'm going to Disney World. There just won't be the parade. But in a really interesting history, I think, of how it got started, the people who were there at the creation of it and the reason it's created, I, again, it kind of goes back to people flying around the world nonstop in a plane, which is just insane in its own right. <laughs> And just joking about, oh, I'm going to Disneyland next. It's amazing. Again, the physical, the physical toll that nine days worth of, because I assume you can't stand up. Yeah, that they couldn't stand up. So blood clots automatically now become a a huge concern. I wonder if they, I wonder if they made it so that they could lay down and sleep because obviously you had to take turns sleeping. 
Right. So that unless like, they learned how to sleep like dolphins, like half one eye open, and I and uh, you if know. they did, they're, <laughs> I, that's they're bearing the lead with that one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just it's amazing that they that they did that, and then yeah, to your point earlier, Michael Eisner's connections that they happened to be there. Did George Lucas use some Jedi mind tricks to make them say this? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying, but yeah, it, it's incredible. And then again, if Phil Simms would have said no, would this have taken off? And and it is so iconic for the Super Bowl, but yet there are so many other people that have said it across all sports now. I mean, they have Olympians say it, and you know, basically, if you do anything kind of great, it, you know, you have a chance um, at saying it. So maybe if you run some trail races. And yeah. you you win like well, an Iron Man. You maybe you have a shot saying I'm going to Disney oh World. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that sounds incredible. So I think that wraps up this week's show. I want to thank everybody again for listening. We will see you here next week, where we will be discussing history of alien encounter, extraterrestrial emphasis on the and, terror there, and our friend George Lucas again. <laughs> He's at every point in history. It's absolutely amazing. So uh, have a great week, everybody. If you haven't, leave us a rating or a review. Remember, if you leave us a review, head over to our Facebook page, Enchanted Ears. Put a screenshot up there. You have a chance of winning some free coffee. Pretty awesome Tumblr. We really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.